listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Well, last week, we began a new series called Greater Expectations, and we focused in on Matthew chapter 8 and how after all of the faith-building moments of that chapter, the disciples were still fearful in the storm. When the storm hit, fear overcame them, and what I told you was that fear and faith cannot coincide. They don't exist together. Um, to To combat fear, we must learn not to magnify our very real problems larger than our very real God. We've got to see God as, as bigger than our problems. Um, it's like my dad was known for saying, you've heard me say it, many of you can quote it, but God, uh, dad always said, God is bigger than what's the matter. God is bigger than what's the matter. Amen? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> have, you ever had, have you ever had your heart set on one thing only to receive something completely different? I don't think there's a greater example of this than, than one of the life's most, most greatest disappointments. I, out of everything that I've, I've, I've witnessed, one of the greatest disappointments that I've experienced in life is when you order a certain beverage at the restaurant and they bring you something completely different. Have you ever been there? <clears throat> like you ordered, you ordered Pepsi, but when you take that first sip, it's Dr. Pepper. And it catches you off guard. It doesn't matter if you like Dr. Pepper or not. You were expecting Pepsi, but yet you, you got Dr. Pepper. Or, or you ordered a Coke, and they bring you Diet Coke. And then there's the disappointment of, <clears throat> do they think that I need a Diet Coke? You know, you have to, go th- you have to process all that too, right? Or, or in the South. Now, you don't have this problem um, in, in some parts of the country, but in the South... You ordered sweet tea, but they brought you unsweet tea. What disappointment it is, right? I mean, that first sip always catches you off guard. It's a shocker, right? Well, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 today. And in Acts chapter 3, we meet this man that was expecting one thing, but he received something that he was not expecting. Like he didn't wake up that day expecting to get what he's going to get. But he did expect something. So we're going to read about that in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. And it reads like this. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, Walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms and they were filled with wonder and amazement for what had happened to him. I want our focus verse today to be verse five, verse five that says, and he fixed his attention on them expecting somebody say expecting he was expecting to receive something from them. He was expecting to receive something from them. 
You know, life has a way of, of giving us what we didn't expect. Some of you have had to experience it this week, right? You expected to go right, but life gave you a hard left. You expected a, a beautiful sunny day, but what you got was a monsoon. You expected an easy win, but life gave you a humiliating defeat. And sometimes what you think should happen doesn't happen. Instead, something completely different happens. But what you don't understand is that if God would have allowed you to go right, you would have ran into a dead end. So instead, God sent you left. It may have been abrupt. It may have been unexpected. But God did not allow you to go right because God could see down that road and God had you go left. You didn't know that the seeds that were planted during the sunny days needed the rains of the monsoon to produce the harvest. God did, but you didn't. And the humiliating defeat, Miami Heat, I mean, um, the humiliating, <laughs> my bad, my bad. Lord, don't let it be too soon. Just one more game, one more game. The humiliating defeat created character in you that would have surfaced had you won that battle. But God knew that that battle wasn't meant for you because there was a lesson to be learned. But don't worry, God has not given them the war. It's just a battle because God allowed you to go through that to teach you something. And the truth is this, we don't always need to get what we expect to get. I'm afraid sometimes... <clears throat> what's happened in the kingdom of God is that God's children, we have become nothing more than spoiled brats. And, and, and we pray and we expect God to do it our way. God, I, I want it this way and this way only. And God says, you don't see down that whole road. You don't see the harvest that I want to bring. And you don't see the lesson that I want to teach you. And so I'm going to do it my way because I'm sovereign and I'm God. And, 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 and if we're not careful, we will develop this spoiled brat mentality and we will just pout because God didn't give it to us the way that we wanted it to be given to us. This lame beggar, he wanted a handout. That's what he was expecting. When Peter looked at him and said, look at us, he was expecting them to reach into their pocket and give of alms, give some coins, give some change, give, give something. He was expecting a handout from them. You see, what you have to understand about this lame beggar was that he, he was a victim of cultural limitations because of his disability. According to Old Testament law, he was not allowed to serve in the temple in accordance with Leviticus chapter 21 that said that the blind and the lame could not enter. The law said that the blind and the lame could not enter and serve in the temple. His inability to walk disqualified him from not only serving in the temple, but also even entering into the temple courtyard. He was not allowed to walk in there. In other words, his imperfections kept him away from the presence of the Lord. Ugh, that's tough, right? <clears throat> There's no grace in that. When, when we say that imperfections keep us away from the presence of the Lord, what we're saying is God's grace is not greater. Keep in mind that this was not this man's fault. The Bible says that he was crippled from birth. Nevertheless, 
He was not healthy enough. He was not whole enough. And he was not healed enough to worship in the house of the Lord. And church, I can't help but, but be reminded. This, this sounds like some churches that I know of. That they look at people and they say, get your act together before you come to church. I had someone tell me the other day, they said, hey, so-and-so's coming to church. And I'm praying that, 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 that when they walk in, like, like lightning doesn't strike or something. It's funny. I get it. But the truth is, it's right where God wants them. Like, you don't have to clean up your act in order to come into the house of the Lord. You don't have to clean your life up before you come to church. You come to church and you let the Holy Spirit of God begin working on you and he'll clean you up. But, but don't make a mistake about this. When you come to God, God will start cleaning you up. You just don't have to do it on your own. He'll help you with it. Amen? Stop living under the law of God and start living under the grace of God. And if you're here right now, listen, maybe you're here and you're an unbeliever. Maybe you're watching online and you're an unbeliever and you feel inadequate to be here. Just let me tell you, you're in great company today. You're in good company. Isaiah 64 and 6 tells us we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. That's all they are. You're in the right place today. We're all in the same boat. Romans 3 and 10 says no one is righteous, not even one. None of us are righteous, not even one of us. None of us are righteous. And if we are all waiting until we are good enough to be in his presence, then we will never experience God. He is here right now. He, he promised us that where two or three are gathered in his name, he, there he is. He's in their midst. And so God is here right now with us. And he, heaven hasn't struck any of us dead yet. There's still time. No, I'm just kidding. You know, God... This is where we need to be. This is where you need to be. And so you might be blind to God's love for you. You might not be walking in his truth, yet he still longs for you to be right here with him. This is where God wants you. I go back to the Old Testament and I think about King David. King David, interesting guy. The Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. I have to believe because of his life and the way that he, he David was a man full of mistakes, full of sin. I have to believe that when he's a man after God's heart, that it means he's a man chasing after God's heart. Like he's after God. Like I believe that. Because there were some moments in his life that he wasn't very much like God. You couldn't even say the words blind and lame around David. Like if you said the words blind and lame, it got the king all worked up, man. This guy, he, he was a time bomb whenever you would say the words blind and lame and it all stemmed from something that the Jebusites said when David was about to conquer the, 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 the city of Jerusalem. He wanted to move the capital to Jerusalem. And so David is, is surrounding the city. He is ready to take the city of Jerusalem. And the Jebusites declared that the city was so unconquerable that they could put blind and lame men on the walls of the city to defend it. And David still wouldn't defeat them. They said this, and, and the ego that David had, it ticked him off. Man, he did not like this at all. The Jewish historian Josephus, he said that it wasn't just words. He said that the Jebusites actually put blind and lame men on the walls just to taunt David. <laughs> and he didn't like it. And here's how David responded. 2 Samuel 5 and 8 says, on the day of the attack, 
David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. This is the origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. Maybe, maybe we just got to the reason why this this, uh, crippled man in the New Testament can't go into the temple. Maybe, Maybe this is why. Because, I mean, David was a very respected king. And for a thousand years, David's prejudice against the blind and the lame became a cultural norm. Society looked at them as outcasts. They were ostracized for something beyond their control. This man was born lame. He was born crippled, beyond his control. Now, how many of you know our God is a just God? And he's about making things right. He's about making the wrongs right, amen? Ironically enough, the only two people that Jesus ever healed in the city of Jerusalem that's recorded in Scripture, the only two people was the blind man at the pool of Siloam and the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. The blind and the lame. It was like, I don't care about your cultural norms. I'm going to go ahead and set the record straight. I'm here for the blind and I'm here for the lame. It's as if Jesus was making a statement, Jerusalem, you might not fight for the lame and the blind, but I will. But it should also trouble us to think of how many times Jesus walked by this crippled man and didn't heal him. It's troubling. Every day, this crippled man was carried and laid at the beautiful gate of the temple begging for money. Every day, somebody took this man, laid him at this gate for him to beg all day long. And this became a mundane life for many years. It was just who he was. Acts 4 and 22 says that he was over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, this man had been crippled. Jesus went to the temple numerous times in Scripture. Surely Jesus passed by him many times And this man almost certainly knew who Jesus was because the popularity had spread. I mean, at one time, there is 5,000 men plus women and children that had gathered on a hillside just to hear him teach. This man knew who Jesus was. This man was was most likely laying at that gate begging for for money, begging for handouts uh, on on the day that Jesus rides the donkey into Jerusalem and they're they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'm sure this man heard those chants. Perhaps he had hoped to be healed but but could never work up the courage to ask Jesus. Or maybe he could hear the chatter uh, 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 of the man that heals but he couldn't see him to ask Jesus him to heal him and and then one day one day he heard a rumor that that man that was performing all the miracles had been crucified he had been killed you talk about just snatching the rug out from underneath someone because that's where hopes and dreams are demolished and it's possible that when Jesus died this crippled man's expectations of what God could do for him died with him it's possible and I know this He's not just physically crippled. He is mentally and spiritually crippled also. And sometimes, church, I think that's worse than being physically crippled. When you are mentally and spiritually crippled, 
I think you're in worse shape than the physically crippled. When I see grown men and women healthy and walking around but mentally and spiritually paralyzed, it saddens me. This is why men, I, I can't wait for, for you to hear at our, our men's breakfast in June, I can't wait for you to hear Patrick Young, former Gator basketball player on June 10th. Man, you need, you need to register for that because his testimony is phenomenal. If you know his story at all, this man is now confined to a wheelchair, but he has great expectations to where God is taking him. You don't want to miss that testimony. I'm telling you, he is walking uh, spiritually. He is walking mentally a lot farther than some people that can walk physically. In our text today, this man is not expecting to be healed. He's not. Acts 3 and 5 again, it says, and he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. He expects to receive something from them. He didn't didn't ask Peter and John to heal him. He he asked for money. Let's just be honest. He's begging for alms. He's begging for loose change. Just just give me something. He didn't expect to walk. He expected a handout. That's all he was there for. Day after day after day, he is there for a handout. The circumstances of life had created this welfare mentality within him. And life had been so cruel. Life had been so unfair that he just expected to live off of society's handouts. That's, That's what... that's. That's the gist of his life. I'm just going to live off what you're willing to give to me. That's it. What a a miserable life that has to be. He he doesn't want a conversation about, well, look at the bright side. At least you're breathing. That doesn't matter to him. He, he certainly doesn't want anyone walking up to him and saying, well, God will not put more on you than what you can bear. That's not even scriptural. It's in there. You're reading it in the wrong context. I can tell you this. God will put a whole lot more on you than what you can bear. You better grab him by the hand and hope he pulls you through it. That's not the conversation that this guy wants. He doesn't want to hear about how much God loves him. He's crippled and just wants enough change to survive on. He just wants to eat that night. That's all he wants. And tomorrow he'll do the same thing. And the next day he'll do the same thing. And the next day, and this is just the cycle of his life. Just, can you spare some change just to help me get by? But I want you to listen again to Peter's response in, in verse 6. It says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. I I can imagine the, the, you know, the life just draining out of his face. Peter said, look at us. He looks at them expecting to get something. And the first thing out of Peter's mouth is, we don't have any money. He says, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He reaches out his hand. He takes this man by the hand. And as he pulls him up, the Bible says that 
his feet and his things started to pop. Things started to, to maneuver around. And, 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 and that man is healed. 40 plus years of struggling comes to an end. He has never taken a step in his life. He's never walked a step in his life. I, just, I wish I could see it. I mean, did, did it just come naturally? I don't think it could. Like, there's, there's a learning curve there, right? I mean, I, I would think if that was me, I'm looking like a baby giraffe trying to learn how to walk. You know, I'm, I'm just all over the place. You know, that's how, I just think that's how it works. I don't know. But, but nevertheless, all of that comes to an end. This man can now walk. This man, they, they met this man's physical challenge. And then the Bible says that he clung to them. That he stays by their side for the whole next chapter. They teach in the temple courts. And that, that guy that used to be crippled is right there beside them. They are questioned by the high priest, the elders, and the scribe. And the healed man is right there beside He won't leave their side. I wouldn't either. I'd want to stay very close to these men. He is stuck to them. The men that clung close to Jesus now had someone clinging close to them. Maybe you've heard that old saying, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. For this scenario, it would probably go more like this. Give a man a handout, satisfy him for a day. Give a man a hand up, save him for eternity. That's what they did. And you see, church, God gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. Because God is obligated, not because of our expectations. God is obligated because of his own word to give his children what they need, not necessarily what they want. Philippians 4 and 19 says this, and my God will supply every need. Somebody say need. My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's the promise for his children, okay? That's the promise that we can, we, we can hang our hats on. We know that he will supply all of our needs. If he, gave you, if, if he gave you what you always want, then we become spoiled brats. And, and honestly, if he answered your every desire, then you would be Lord over God, and none of us want that. Like, you know, like, the, the earth would be half its population if you were God. You know that, right? You're not a righteous judge. I'm not a righteous judge. But he is. And if he gave us our heart's desire, our, 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 our every want, if he gave us that every time we ask, then he becomes nothing more than a genie in a lamp. That's it. A genie in a bottle. That's it. And that's not what he is. Instead, he promises that he will be your provider. He promises that he will be your healer. He promises that he will be your protector. He, he is your sovereign God that obligates himself to meet your needs, but not your wants. In other words... You think you know what you want for your life. And God says, no, 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 no. I have greater expectations for you. I have divine expectations for you. I know things about your life that you have yet to discover. And the path that I'm going to take you on, the road I'm going to take you down, it is going to make you more like Christ. It's going to make you more like you. You may not like it, but in the end, it will bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And on this Pentecost Sunday, 2023, 50 days after Easter, I'm reminded of what the disciples wanted. 
They wanted Jesus to stay with them. They didn't understand. Why? Why do you have to be killed? Why do you have to be raised from the dead? That's not the direction we want this thing to go. We want you to set up your earthly kingdom. Like right here in Jerusalem. We want you to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we want to sit on your right hand. And we want to sit on your left hand. We want to rule and reign with you. We've been following you. Listening to all of your teachings for three years. Just, just do it here. Just do it now. But, but Jesus was not interested in their wants. Because Jesus knew what they needed. John 16 and 7. Jesus said nevertheless I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. You see, Jesus knew that his kingdom was not limited to just Jerusalem. His kingdom was not limited to just Judea. His kingdom was not limited to just Samaria. He knew that this thing was going global. Acts 1 and 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, this thing is going worldwide. Places that you don't even know exist. This thing is going all around the globe. They needed the Holy Spirit because this thing was going global. They wanted Jesus beside them, but what they needed was God inside of them. And that was the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so church, listen to me. Listen to me. God is not interested in spoiling you with your wants. He's interested in empowering you with what you need. And there's a big difference. You have expectations on what you think life should look like. But God has greater divine expectations on what you need for your life to bring glory to him. And it's not always fair. One of the worst things we can do is start start looking at others. I almost think that it would have been better in, in biblical times to be blind than it would have been to be crippled. Because at least then you couldn't see everyone else and how blessed they were. This guy laid at the gate every day. And he watched as people walked by. And he thought he knew what was best for his life. Resorted to begging for alms. But one day, God sent these two preachers walking by. One, that if you remember, he was walking on water towards Jesus when he called him out of the boat to come to him. And in that moment, he failed, took his eyes off of Christ and focused on the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. And Christ reached out his hand and grabbed him by the hand and pulled him back up. God sent that same preacher walking by this man as my friend Paul Sergio pointed out a few years ago to me 
Peter did the exact same thing to that crippled man that Christ did to him when he was sinking. He reached out his hand and he pulled him up. People don't need a handout. They need a hand up. Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. And I know sometimes, Lord, we think that we have life figured out. That we know exactly what needs to happen, how it needs to happen, when it needs to happen. I don't know how, Lord, we've developed a God complex within us. Thinking that we know what is right. God, in all of your grace and all of your mercy, you see us. And you look down upon our lives and you have greater expectations than what we could ever imagine. And God, you direct our steps, you lead us, you guide us. And if we just learn to trust that, we will walk not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that your ways are higher than ours. Thank you that our lives are not contingent upon our understanding, just our trust in you. I don't have to get it to get it. Thank you, God. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.